welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C., and today I'm talking with my mother, Ann Werner. And we're going to be talking about her latest release, The Melt. This is a book. uh, It's a book about a global pandemic. While we're in a global pandemic. Crazy, isn't it? (laughs) So we definitely talk about her book. and And the cool thing is that even though the book is about a global pandemic, it's also very much about human interaction and the social issues that we have experienced throughout, you know, at least the history of our country and before that, but just, you know, whether it's racism or sexism or or stuff like that, but it's not like, um, and I say this during the interview, but just to be clear, her book is not like that movie Contagion where the whole focus is on the spread of the virus. Her book eventually gets to where, you know, the virus is taken out, I think 95% of the population and then it's about rebuilding. So new communities of people are, you know, starting over and she focuses on one of those communities. So that's pretty much, you know, the gist of it as far as where it goes. And it's the, it, this is book one. So she's going to, she's starting to write book two now. So we're going to definitely talk about that. And then we're going to be talking about some politics, but I'll, <laughs> I just have to add that I think that people will get get a glimpse of our mother-daughter relationship, which is somewhat unique because we are very good friends. And, you know, I've heard in in the past where people say parents shouldn't be friends or best friends with their children because I think it takes away from, like, the authority or something like that. I will say that my mom and I have been best friends pretty much our whole lives, but her authority was very clear, you know, because she didn't take my shit (laughs) and I would get punished and she scared me. So if I pissed her off, she scared me, but we do have this very unique relationship. And just to kind of give you an idea of our energy together, I was talking to my father yesterday and he reminded me of a time when he came out to visit, he was working for ABC news. And so he was a cameraman. And so we all met up for dinner and he brought along his sound man, who was this very nice, unassuming, soft-spoken guy. And, you know, we go out to dinner and my mom and I are just like my mom and I. And just like, blah, and uh, talking, talking, talking. And, you know, we're, we're forceful women. So after I heard, my father tells me yesterday that after dinner, when, you know, he and his sound man went off to go to their hotel or whatever, that the sound man said to my dad that we were like the Sweeney sisters, <laughs> which I think is so funny because we're kind of not like the Sweeney sisters, but I, I understand why he might've said that because we are um, formidable, I guess. So uh, you'll have an opportunity. I, I, she's been on my show before, but I think she, the last time she was on, it was Lorraine Devin Wilkie and her and me, and we were all talking about being authors. So it's been a little while, and this is the first time I think that she's, she might've been on my show when I first started, and I don't even remember, but I kind of look at those first couple of years when I was just doing two shows per month as like a warm up to this, because I really started to understand the direction of where I wanted to take the show when I started doing it once a week and then very quickly led to two times a week. But I do hope you'll enjoy our conversation. Like I said, we we talk about the book, but then we go into politics. So it's it's just, you know, it's fun all the way around. We talk about COVID and everything and Trump and everything. It's so much fun. <laughs> but before we get into that, the Start Me Up podcast is independent. It's supported by listeners and it's woman run. I do not have corporate backers and I do not use advertisers. So patrons are are the people that keep the show going. And as usual, I just like to 
take this time to say thank you for everybody who signed up. Um, I, I appreciate it so much. It, it, it really, I'm very grateful. If you enjoy today's show, take a look at the about page and check out some of the past guests. You can find that at patreon.com slash start me up. You can see people I've interviewed. I often talk to political pundits. Sometimes I talk to former federal prosecutors like uh, Glenn Kirshner. I've talked to Molly Jong Fast. I've talked to Charlotte Clymer. Um, you know, I've also interviewed actors and sometimes I interview actors about politics and their craft, sometimes just their craft. But those are the two kind of main themes that uh, I focus on on the show. And if you sign up for like two bucks a month, you get every free show delivered to your email box so you don't have to search for it. And then you also get one patrons only show that's for a dollar and up. So you get one patrons only show. I usually do two per month. But if you sign up to become a five dollar patron, then you get both patrons only shows delivered to your email box. Now those shows are usually with Steph Walton and she's my very good friend and she's co-hosted this show before. So we have a great rapport and it's slightly more personal than the normal shows, but we're both Gen Xers and we're both very passionate and very, um, you know, we're very passionate about democracy and all that, but also women's issues and, just about all the things that we care about. So sometimes those shows are, you know, Steph is an extremely emotional in a very positive way woman. So when she's excited, she's excited. When she's upset, man, she'll, you know, she'll definitely not be afraid to cry um, in order to express herself. But, you know, I've been known to cry on that show also. So I've also cried on the free show. It's funny, though, because I, I'm, I'm a pretty emotional person and I'm quite sensitive, despite the fact that I know I come off as as kind of, I'm not going to say hard, but just that I'm, you know, forceful, as my mother said in the interview, we're both forceful. So, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm not emotional. And so it's funny because I, and it's not even that I'm afraid to show my emotions. I don't, I just don't like it when I start crying on the show because I feel like I'm going to, I just want to stop and just sob. (laughs) So I try to avoid the crying thing, but I always appreciate how Stephanie is, just not afraid to be herself and, ex- and, and express herself. So um, you can sign up, though, for any dollar amount. I have tiers, but you don't have to go by those tiers. You can, you can sign up for $5 or $10 or $25 or, or $30 or $40 or $50 or whatever it is that floats your boat. And don't forget that you can also make a one-time donation. Every time I do a show, I include my um, email address in the description of the show on the Patreon page. And... You just go to PayPal and you can do the one-time the one-time donation. It's very easy. You can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, here I go. Please, please, please stop by the iTunes slash Apple Podcast and leave me a good review. I need them. And then ratings. I have been getting ratings. So whoever's been giving me ratings, just, you know, clicking the star you know, four stars, five stars, whatever it is. Thank you so much. Um, I get into this a little bit more in the podcast about how important reviews are. So I'm not going to push it right now. So that's it. Please enjoy my conversation with Ann Werner, my mom. Welcome, Ann Werner and mommy. (laughs) I don't even ever call you mommy, except for except for that one time during the earthquake in uh, 20 or 2000. Wait, 1994. Yeah, 1994. With <laughs> mommy, mommy. <laughs> oh my God, that was the Northridge quake, and it was like the biggest quake we had ever been in. And oh, I was so scared. Literally, was crawling on the floor. 
Yeah, um, well, the most fun was when your father called in the middle of it and informed us we were having an earthquake. <laughs> That's because he worked, he worked at ABC News and he saw it coming over the wire. And he's like calling us, you're having an earthquake. Really? <laughs> Thanks for alerting us. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So we have a lot to talk about today. Obviously, we're going to talk about your book, but then we're going to get into uh, just some typical <laughs> politics. So um, let's just get started. And, and I want to say before we get into the melt Let's talk about um, how, like, Ann Werner, the reader, and then yeah. how you started writing in the first place. So, like, for your whole freaking life, you've been a reader. Well, I've been a reader, and, and you know, I never really realized, but I, I've always been a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I used to, anytime that I had to write an essay or something in school. I always got an A. And of you've course, seen that, that book, the Ann Sam Werner story. Yes. I think I was a sophomore in high school. It was supposed to be an autobiography. Okay, I didn't turn in a paper. I made a book. I had it <laughs> illustrated by Jean Sprzynski was her name. I still remember her name, and she was a really good artist. And she so she illustrated it for me. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just – I never thought of myself as a writer when it came – to the idea of writing a book, it just seemed like such a a daunting exercise. And I, you know, I had forgotten that I had written things. I, I remembered when, well, when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, I was really surprised I had written a, uh, a letter to the editor in the Baltimore Sun, hmm. and they published it. Now, I was very proud of that, but I had forgotten that I had written stuff for the school paper and all that stuff, and I'd completely forgotten it until I went to a, uh, a high school reunion, and one of the people that I had hung around with in high school, she brought all these clippings, and I thought, oh, my God, I, I had no idea. And when I would go to work, you know, I, every once in a while I worked as a secretary. I freaking hated it. But, um, you know, my my boss would would hand me a letter that he'd written and it would be crap so I would rewrite it and then it just got to the point where my boss said well this is what I want to say you just go write it mm-hmm. and then I got um, a job at a radio station selling advertising and then after I sold the advertising I was told I had to write the commercial and it freaked me out but I was really good at it and so um, you know then just for fun uh when we were living in California, you know, I had a friend and we used to write songs together. He would do the music, I would do the lyrics. Um, and then I, um, the, but the first book I ever wrote, I just wrote it to see if I could do it. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was actually um, on, on a stress leave because I'd been in the car business and it drove me insane. And so I, I wrote a book. It's, it's not very good because I concentrated on finishing it Mm -hmm. and not so much telling the story but i wrote a whole book and it was it was like part of the therapy that i was it called robert part huh it was robert yeah Yeah. and um i still have it maybe one day i'll pull it out and do yeah because it was a good story uh yeah you know and and then that's when i realized i could do it Mm -hmm. um and then um i didn't i really didn't do anything else for Oh, gosh, for a long time, probably for 10 years. Um, instead, I went and, you know, and I I, I was an actor. Uh, and then I got tired of that. But I never, I never, ever got tired of writing. And while I was, while I was an actor, I started writing The People Next Door, which is the first book that, mm-hmm. you know, I ever published. And, um, you know, it's just something I've never gotten tired of. Yeah. I, 
I love to read, and authors have always been uh, my most admired people. I just love stories. I, I love stories. Well, I cl- always have, and yeah, I always will. And clearly, you're my mom. So I grew up watching you go to the library and bring home like seven thousand books. And then you'd read them, and then you'd go back to the library and return them and get 7,000 more books. <laughs> so yep. You've always had, you know, there was a time in your life, weren't you even doing some, weren't you even reading when you had a full-time job and you were going to college with a 4.0 grade average? Yeah. Grade point average. So there you go. So relax. that was my mother. And I always talk on the show about, you know, I mean, I wasn't a terrible student, and I certainly... Um, you were a very good student when you were leaned on. Right, right. Well, that's the thing, and it's like... <laughs> Um, but I also didn't have the benefit of such a good education, which I've talked about a million times because California public schools just didn't even hold a candle to the East coast public schools. So I, you know, I mean, I, I feel, I feel like it's, it sucks that California, I mean, I've, I've talked about on the show too, and we're going to get to the melt, but real quickly, um, in 10th grade, when I went to this school that was all about popularity, that's all that was like, it was the main uh, theme of the school and people had out it was 1984 and people were wearing like the Madonna clothes and the Michael Jackson clothes and everybody was wearing a costume and popularity was so important and all I cared about was popularity and so I didn't do my homework and I failed three classes <laughs> and, and in half the classes because you had six classes <laughs> and you failed I failed, I failed French I failed French math and science and yeah. so um Instead of making me go to summer school, which I should have done, I was I was put in that stupid Southern California Regional Occupational Center where I was. It's called Scrock, and yeah, I always Scrock. just called it Croc. Yeah, because I was I not only not only was I sent to, um, you know, I was chose it limited. Well, it, it was a, it was a number. I think it was the limited that they well, it sent was, you it to. Was both. Wasn't it? it was both. It was the number of stores. I went to three. I went to Sears okay. and I went to some sweater store for men. But basically, I was just like free help for them, and. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it, I chose retail merchandising because in Scrock you would choose whatever they offered and one of their, whatever it was that you had to fulfill or, 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 or get it to so, so that you could move on yeah, to the you next had grade. You earn points in order yeah. to graduate. So, so I chose they had retail. you cleaning dressing rooms or yeah, something. Yeah, like with the sponge. I, I had to clean dressing rooms, with, like the hair off of the dressing room floors with spon- uh yeah, I had to clean the hair with a sponge. So anyway, not only did I have to do that, I had to do that. that so I failed three classes in 10th grade. And then yeah. in 11th grade, I went to school from morning until lunch. And then, you know, there's always two classes after lunch. Instead, I was bussed to the mall um, four days a week. And on Friday, since I didn't have regular classes, I just was finished with my school day at noon. And so it was like, so, ins- yeah, they pulled you out of school to go, you know, I mean, it, it just made it, no sense. It was whatsoever. the stupidest it made fucking no thing sense. ever. It, it, whoever came up with that idea, in my humble estimation, should be shot. Yeah, I mean, it's just, just, it's they like just a disservice. Yeah. Students out of, out of an education. I mean, back in the day, okay, back in the day, uh, in the far distant past, when I was young, they used to fail people in school, and they don't really do that anymore. I guess in 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 probably in private schools, uh, they do, but not in public schools. And I remember uh, working with a woman, because uh, both of us did fragrance modeling when mm-hmm. we were actors, um, and it, she was a former teacher, and she had failed a student, and was called on the carpet for doing so, hmm. um, because it uh, the way that that um, 
schools get funded is by a headcount. Right. So you just want to push people through and push yeah. people through. And she couldn't take it, so she quit. And she was there pushing wow. perfume wow. in Macy's or the Broadway or wherever the heck it was. And, um, you know, I mean, it just it makes no sense. If somebody fails, then they should be held back because yeah. if, if they fail, they're not going to do well in the class that comes next. Exactly. And it's just a recipe for disaster it's it's not fair to the student but it isn't but going back to it so you obviously were taught by nuns in cat yeah. you know in catholic school and you got a very good education and then you were always so neat and clean at your workplace that they thought that you quit when you're working <laughs> for the wine spectrum you um yeah you had always kept your workspace neat and clean and people thought you quit and you're a perfectionist, and I'm not, and that's the moral of the story. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, so I was told one time that I was a perfectionist, and I said, "No, I'm not." I remember this woman; her name was Donna Bickle, and it was at a, I was working at a, a Lincoln Mercury dealer, and I was a finance person, and I got so angry because whoever I replaced, I mean, when they couldn't get a deal done, they stuffed it in a drawer. So you have a, <laughs> you have a car out on the road and it's, the registration hasn't gone in. It's not financed and all that. And, and so there's this big mess for me to clean up. And I was so angry and I'm, I'm cleaning up all this mess and I'm having cars repoed. And I, I just, I went down to the office and I was just so angry. And, and, and so I, I was complaining to this woman, Donna, and she goes, well, I said, and I just said, I just don't understand. I just don't understand why people just don't do their damn jobs. And she goes, well, Anne, you're a perfectionist. I said, no, I'm not. She goes, yes. Yeah, Anne, you kind of are. <laughs> you kind of are. It's like, okay, if perfectionist means that you're doing your job the way you're supposed to, then I guess I was. Yeah, well, and you did. And But you're also, I mean, it's like the Ann Sam Warner story. You did that booklet when everybody else just turned in a, p a paper. You had, Yeah, well, that's true. You, you, you definitely have. The, and I'm of kind of anal. That, that's not who I am. I mean, and it's funny because, okay, the next question, I swear to God, is going to be about your book. But um, I always say that, you know, I copied everything you do because you, you know, you were a salesperson. I was a salesperson. You were an actor. I was an actor. And then you started, you know, you were a writer. I started writing. But I will say you've never done a podcast. So no, not, I, I never mean, will because it's just not my forte. It's my forte, so I have it something. Is because you're a good, you're good at asking questions, yeah. and and I've that's that's like you can go into a group and and you and you can just talk to people and and I just for as mouthy as I can be, and God knows I can be mouthy, and you know and I and I know that's where you got it from because I, you can be very forceful at times and when, when it calls for it, okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm very forceful, but in a, if you put me in a social situation surrounded by people I don't know, if it isn't somehow business related, mm -hmm. okay, I and just I just kind of shrink away. I never. I, I, I'm I'm not oh my a god! I'm, and you yeah. can schmooze. I can't schmooze. It's like I remember my girlfriend Lourdes. She was the. Um, she was the manager at a what, fragrance counter. And so there would be like, say, a new fragrance model come in. And I'd, I'd like, hi. And then I'd ask him a question. And then I'd ask him another question. And Lord just goes, oh, no, here she goes. <laughs> it's like, it's watch, true. Step aside. I, know. I lived it ever since you were able to speak. <laughs> all right. So let's get into some of these questions about your book. Because I know that, I mean, of course, I've read all your books. I've had influence on, some, on where some of the stories have gone. Um, yeah. But I know that this is a thriller of sorts, but it is a departure from your previous book. So is there a reason for that? 
Well, you know, I sort of, but sort of not, okay? Um, this book is has more to do with social issues, I guess. It has more to do with social issues, and it, and it, and it does mm-hmm. – um, although it doesn't really focus on it. I mean, climate change is the reason, okay, for the release of the virus in the well, book, actually, which I we call should, we should The take Red a, Scourge. So it is. We should take um, a my, step my back, other though. books weren't so much about social issues, although I did have, like, strong women characters in them mm-hmm. um, because that's the way I see the world because I'm a woman and I'm pretty strong. Uh, but this one here... Um, that's that's why it's kind of a departure because I really do have something to say in this book. I have something to say. Yeah, and let's let's go take a step back because we didn't fully introduce what this is. So this is the the book is called The Melt, and it is about a global pandemic, which is really ironic considering we're experiencing what right now. But you started <laughs> writing this book in December of 2016, and it was funny because after. Uh, the orange scourge was elected, or yeah, well, actually, I think I started writing it right before he was elected. I okay. thought that Hillary was going to be oh, okay, okay, the president, um, and um, but that didn't happen. But the, so but, but, it kind of so, changed. Well, it changed. It, it didn't. It didn't change the trajectory because I I was going to have this worldwide virus that knocked out ninety five percent of the world's population. That was my original thing. Because if you're going to write a disaster, you mm-hmm. might as well really write a freaking disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, okay, fine. But there's uh, also an element. Do. There's also an element of climate, um, climate change or climate crisis. But the the book is really focused on the apocalypse. It was like, what is it? The, it's the melt. The after the apocalypse is that what it's called? Yes. That's uh, so it's, yeah, the series that I you know I have to I have to get started on book two now. Um, but the but book the series one, right. uh, is called After the Apocalypse. So this is book one of that series. And so the focus is not so. Mu- I mean, yes, you do. You know, you do focus on the pandemic and how it's deadly and all that. But the real focus of the book is um, everybody who's left over and yeah, um, and how people right. how people deal with with something like that. You know, right. a, a, an out of control pandemic that kills 95% of the people it infects. And so since, since you know, we, okay, the cover, The Melt, suggests the story of global warming. So is that, right. is that what you, you wanted to, is that your intention? Well, yeah, because I'm, you know, I figured, you know, it opens up. The Which book Bob Seska designed. <laughs> <at> the, <laughs> yes, that Bob Seska design, <laughs> it is, I have to say. A kick-ass cover. <laughs> yes, I awesome. love when he sent me that thing. It was like I was. Just, well, I, I would say I was jumping for joy, but these days I don't jump a lot. But <laughs> I was, I was like, whoa! This yeah. is really, 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 really cool. It, it's a great cover. Yeah. So I, I got a kudos to Bob. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, when I, it's you know, the book opens up in the northern Mongolian steppe. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of there's a bunch of reindeer herders, which quite frankly I don't even know how I came up with reindeer <laughs> herders. Uh, I must have looked, I must have been looking for information uh, for the uh, about the northern Mongolian steppe since that's. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 you know, I never can remember how I yeah. came up with some things. But um, you know, then I found out. Oh my God, there really there really is a tribe 
of reindeer herders. Wow. It's the last tribe of reindeer herders, and there's about 300 of them, and they live in the you know the northern Mongolia steppe. They're they're like a nomadic people. They mm-hmm. live in yurts and that kind of a thing. And um, so uh, it starts when uh, a pack of wolves uncovers the, a body in the melting permafrost. Hmm of the Northern Mongolian steppe. Now it's, it's, it's October, but it's unusually warm. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, this reindeer herder finds it and he goes and he tells the guy that's leading the, the herders and everything. And they go and they, you know, they discover this and, um, this is how they get infected because it's been exposed mm-hmm. after being frozen for, they finally figured out that it's like tens of thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's been there. So, but it's a mystery how it got there, and it's it's a mystery that's never solved because <laughs> there's nobody left to solve it. Um, but um, you know, I mean, yeah, there. And so the so that's just like what kicks it off. Yeah, that's what kicks it off. And there is a you know when when the when the when the head reindeer hunter or the herder um, goes and tells the shaman of the village about the discovery, so he can let the authorities know about it. He makes mention of the fact of uh, of the glaciers receding. Hmm. So uh, it's not that it's uh, it's not like I'm pounding climate change, right. in this, but but I'm making reference to climate change things, and this of course is what releases the virus, which is um, a very real possibility. And as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, I I actually reference this in the book when I was writing for Liberals Unite. I wrote an article about something that I'd seen about some. French scientists that had discovered um, an ancient virus when they were doing core samples Fun. <laughs> uh, up in the uh, close by uh, mm-hmm. there. They were in Siberia, all right, which which abuts you know the, the northern Mongolian yeah. steppe, and so um, th- I think that's probably where I that's where the initial mm. kind of idea came from. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm thinking about it, um, so. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the first time that they had found viruses like that. So when I did it, though, it wasn't going to be, you know, in a core sample. It was going to be in a body because I wanted the mystery of who is this and where did it come from and that kind of a thing. Right. Which um, will forever remain. I know where it came from, but I'm not telling. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what is it that, like, okay, obviously you said you just started writing it before Hillary lost well she didn't really lose but you know what i mean what made you decide to write a book about a global pandemic considering we're having one now it just it seems prescient and it's like oh my god but what made you what was you you know why i don't know sometimes i think i must be psychic (laughs) seriously i mean stuff stuff just pops into my mind sometime and you know so i was i was just i hadn't written anything in a while Mm -hmm. and I just thought, I, I want to write another book. And I just, I don't know, it just popped into my mind. And I yeah. thought, ooh, yeah, I'll, that's because I, I you know, I, I like to write creepy, kind of scary mm-hmm. sort of books. And um, yeah, you, I came you, my you mind write. And I thought, yeah, why not? You because, write you know, books. I'm, I'm look, I, I look around and I see, you know, people were writing books about, um, like, what are they, I think they're. Uh, I don't know where, where they interrupt all the signals and everything. Was it called uh, EMT burst? That could be wrong, but you know where you can all the everything goes dead. Car batteries go dead, oh, and your right, yeah. phones and your internet, nothing works and everything. So they, you know, I mean, people write about those kind of disasters where you can go in and cripple a country right, and yeah, by doing yeah. that, by interrupting their 
entire communications network and, you know, stuff like that. And so I thought, well, you know, I, I don't know anything about that. And I, I'm, I just wanted to, I just wanted to do like a disaster thing. And I, and I thought, oh, global pandemic, why not? Well, and the funny <laughs> thing is, it's not so much in this book, but in past books you've written, you can write things that you wouldn't watch in a movie. Yeah, because there are certain, um, like, for instance, there's that scene. Bob can't watch it either. He, he can't handle, like, anything with torture. But there was that um, scene in Reservoir Dogs. Oh, my the, God. When, when, I, I, just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It's like he, put he, my he hands was, over my face. I Michael, Michael Madsen was torturing that guy who was, like, tied Every up in a chair. Every time I hear that song. Yeah. Stuck in the stuck middle, in the middle of you. And he was going <laughs> to cut his ear off, and then he did. But, yeah, so, uh, like, you... You can't watch it. Don't even talk about it because it makes me crazy. <laughs> well, that, but then you like write this crazy shit too. Because I know, I do. I write this crazy shit, and then I sit back and I look at it and I think, oh my god. Yeah, there's no torture. There's from? no torture in the melt. There, <clears throat> excuse no, me. There's, there's no torture in the melt. There's nothing like that. My my fa- one of my favorite books that you wrote was crazy, and there's a bunch of crazy shit in that book because that book I won't give it away, but it is about a serial killer, and there's a twist to it, and um, you know, it's very, 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 very loosely the lead character, loosely based on me. It's not. Really Really me, but it's just you know yeah. because as an author you kind of draw from your life. So you made the uh, the the main character even in the melt. The uh, wasn't she a tall blonde? It was yeah, she she's tall? a tall blonde. Yeah. And her husband was a tall guy with dark hair. Yeah, like with Bob. Italian heritage. <laughs> and, were, and, and also <laughs> I think Bob. in the melt she was a blogger where we're both bloggers. So it's like funny you take from real life and you just throw it in. It doesn't mean that you're you know it's yeah. like same with me with Peyton's well, you know, choice. You, you, you do need. But I mean, I make departures into places where I've never been and never exactly. gone. Exactly. You always have to you have draw a core from. of truth. Yeah. And um, it, when you're when you're writing something, okay, yeah. because there's always, I think, in any 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 book that you're ever going to read, okay, somewhere in there is this kernel of yes. truth to the author. Yeah. And that's <clears throat> excuse me. And that's like when I wrote Peyton's Choice and focused it on, you know, I had, we lived in Torrance, California, and I had three girlfriends, and we were like, we were always, we would always go to breakfast every Sunday morning, and so I incorporated that in the story, but, you know, the character of Peyton is nothing like me. I mean, she had a 4.0 grade point average, and she got accepted, she got a scholarship to UCLA, and again, not like me, (laughs) failing, failing uh, three classes in 10th grade. But she, yeah, but she had the, you know, but she had the, um, she had the necessary elements. Right. Uh, you know that 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 you can relate to and understand, yes. and then and then what you can do is just then you, just you can just off. be off and yeah, running, and you, you can do anything off. you want with your character. But she's got those elements in the way that she feels yeah. and and processes things. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this, because I know you just you published the melt not too long ago, so it was going on. You were you were finishing it up. I I read. Um, in December, you gave me a draft of the book, and you know, basically, yeah. and I it's just changed somewhat since right. then. Right, but it's like I got the gist of the story. But obviously, yeah. that you were pretty much finished with it. But that's when you went back, added details. So, how much did the coronavirus pandemic influence the story? Since you had the opportunity to experience it while you were finishing up. Well, you know, the really weird thing was it was it 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 added a little color to the story. Mm-hmm. It did not change the story um but the colors that it added for instance um the term social distancing i mean i I was not yeah i mean you'd never even heard about that Mm -hmm. if somebody had said social distancing prior to this (laughs) pandemic you would have looked at them with your best blank stare um so that 
Um, there were, and there were a couple of other, you know, a couple of other things I know during, a, I added a little bit during a press conference, uh, because I made this virus, um, uh, to have, uh, you know, to be, a, 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 an airborne, which w- was not suspected. Now they suspect, uh, that the Corona virus is airborne, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really scary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had never, I was watching, um, the news one night and they were interviewing somebody and uh the person was talking about aerosolized park particles yeah aerosolized i think that um which you know they are um pretty much lighter than air they'll hang well maybe not lighter than the air but so light that they can hang in the air for hours um and they can get they can get sucked into um, your air conditioning mm-hmm. and heating vent systems and then be distributed throughout a building as opposed to just droplets like when somebody sneezes mm-hmm. because they may might hang in the air for maybe three seconds, right. but they fall to the floor or whatever nearby surface. So it's a little bit different right. um, than, these, than these lighter particles. So I incorporated that into it. What I found, um, you know, interesting were some of the things that – that I wrote that actually did come to pass. Hmm. Interesting. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why I say sometimes I think I'm freaking psychic <laughs> because, because yeah, some of the things that I imagined, um, then they happened. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, the thing that I just want to emphasize again, um, when you're reading the story, it's, the story so much is, is more about the interactions between the people who survived and, yeah. and, the, and the community that they created. So definitely you've got the pandemic stuff where people are dying and it's scary and all of that. But that's just the very, very, very beginning of the book. And then eventually, you know, people wind up in this particular town, which we'll get into in a minute. But I mean, that it's their lives. And then you're drawing from the social issues that we're seeing in the news today, whether it's racism or misogyny and, and all that stuff. So I just want everybody listening to be sure to, you know, to understand that's, that's where the story is. Because I mean, you talk about apocalypse, you talk about climate change and all that stuff. And that is definitely, it's it's like the kickoff. It's the thing that gets the story going because the story itself is very human and it's not so much focusing on just the virus and, and how deadly the virus is. It's more, like I said, it's, it's human interactions. And so some of the characters in your story, particularly the president, are very familiar. So was that, <laughs> <laughs> was that on purpose? <laughs> well, you know, um, that, okay, when I just said some things surprised me, mm-hmm. when Donald Trump was quote unquote elected mm-hmm. installed um you know i just I, well i sat there and cried and i remember when barack Didn't obama was was elected for the first time i was crying mm-hmm. tears of joy mm-hmm. and when when and i was actually being interviewed because i uh i i am interviewed every once in a while um for a, a new zealand show mm-hmm. go figure i'm their american contact <laughs> so i was interviewed both times so the first time I'm crying tears of joy, and then when Donald Trump was declared the winner, um, I got, you know, the guy called me, and I was sobbing. And I'm yeah. thinking, oh, my God, you know, here I'm on the, you know, I'm on this program, <laughs> and I can't stop crying. <laughs> yeah, we were all crying. 
<laughs> so that was no, not a, that was not a fun. What well, just that the characters in your story specifically oh, well, the oh, president? Donald Trump. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I I had this Trumpian character in there. Yeah. All right, but what what surprised me? Okay, when we got to this pandemic, was the way that the president in the story I call him President Tower. You know, Trump's tower. <laughs> yeah. um, so <laughs> I call him T- President Tower. The way that he handles this, um, I mean, I, it's, I don't dwell on it, okay? It's, it's just really with him, it's, uh, there's a few references to him, and he holds a press conference. But during the press conference, what he does, okay, it's like, wow. Again, I wondered if I was psychic. Yeah. Because of because just of the way that he did, but it's like I guess I knew okay because I've I've always thought that Donald Trump was an idiot. Yeah, I he used to you know you'd see him mm. all the time in the news, you know back in the day and everything, and I just thought what a smarmy, yeah. you know, and I just thought man I you know I don't care how much money he has I would <laughs> no, touch he's that so guy gross. with a ten foot pole, <laughs> yeah. and you know so. I, I always knew, but I, I guess I never quite knew the depth mm-hmm. of his depravity. Uh, and yet, I, I managed. <laughs> I managed to capture it. Yes. So wow. yeah, it was kind of interesting. And so usually, though, like books like this one are split into two parts. Like there's the pandemic and the aftermath. Aftermath. So. Um, mm-hmm. Why did you decide to begin the story with the initial outbreak as opposed to starting it after and going on with the apocalyptic story? Well, I think everybody starts after it's happened. And I thought, let's go through mm-hmm. what it would be like. I, I had read a – I've read a few – well, I, uh, of course, I've read The Stand. I've read The Stand twice. Yeah. And one of these days I'm going to read it again, but I'm not going to read it again for a while because I'm writing a book about a global pandemic <laughs> and what happens afterwards. But – I just thought, you know, like the stand started after mm-hmm. everybody was dead. Right. Um, I, I read another book that somebody had recommended to me. It was called The Earth Abides. Mm-hmm. I think this was written back in the 40s. It was kind of interesting because, well, I won't say. But um, <laughs> it started after, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the thing, and I just thought, well, everybody writes about something after yeah. the fact. Right. I want to take. I want to imagine what would happen if you if you if you knew this was coming. What would you do? Mm-hmm. And so you know, I mean, and I picked this young couple and put them in Silver Spring, Maryland, and they were shopping for a house. And I made them find a house that had a a bomb shelter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, it's 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 a random couple, <laughs> with, and I give them a bomb shelter because I had to give them a good way to survive. Mm-hmm. And because um, I, I, I just thought about the, the psychological implications of how people would react when they would see news coming in. Because first, you know, I mean, this, it, it, it spread from Mongolia, it spreads outwards and everything, but there, there's a, like a scientific team that comes in and gets the body and everything, and they take it back to the United Kingdom. So you've got this spread throughout Europe, and it's a really fast-moving virus. Mm-hmm. It's extremely contagious so here in this country we're seeing mm-hmm. what's happening yeah. and like, like we, we were know watching what's in coming. Italy. Yeah. so if you i wanted to examine how people would react when they knew something like this 
yeah. was on the way and that it was unstoppable. Because hmm. I thought that would make an interesting, yeah, a, a, an interesting story. Yeah. So there's like stories within stories. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of research did you do? Um, obviously, you had to look up pandemics, but what other things did you do? Well, you know, I had to find out um, which agencies yeah. uh, would, you know, I mean, it's something, I mean, you, you would see things on the news before, like with the Ebola virus and, 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 and SARS and all that stuff. And, you know, and, I, and Obama sent out teams and everything, but, you know, you heard it and it was mm-hmm. just a little blurb on right. the news because everything was just, because everything was being handled mm-hmm. and everybody knew it was being right. handled. Yeah. So you really didn't pay a whole lot of attention. Yeah. Okay. Um, you just, you know, you, you, you heard, and if you got advice, you would follow it and everything. But I mean, really it didn't, nobody really had to change their lives because yeah. we had somebody who knew what he was doing. And, um, I, you know, I mean, I just—I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, I well, just I know you—I like know you set the story in what in well, you called it—is it Newtown? What do you New Hope? New Hope. Yeah. And so, where is New Hope in reality? Well, it's in Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. Right. So, you know, I mean. Uh, so you went I, to Harper's um, Ferry. Oh, you know, you were you were asking about research. I'm sorry, yeah. I kind of got <laughs> off. Um, but the you know the the research that I did was I, I I had to find out. I mean I had never heard of USAMRIT, which is the United States Army Medical. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, they study viruses. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember the acronym. And then there's um, then there's also NIAID, which I think um, I think Dr. Anthony Fauci might head up mm. NIAID, and that's the um, National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Um, And, you know, so I had to, I had to do that kind of research, find out that. And then, of course, you know, when I, when I first started writing it, I did the research into the DUCA, which are, that's the name of the, the, the um, reindeer herders there. Yeah. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, So that kind of a thing. And then, um, then, you know, I mean, really just sometimes you just get into, into just little things, um, that it's like, okay, um, I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's hard to say because now I've written the whole thing, but you know, I did, I, I did all kinds of, you know, I had to look up a whole bunch of different things because I wanted to make sure that I was, I was correct. And I was, I was lucky because I had the, I, I, I'm in a writer's group and um, one of the guys is kind of a scientist, and so he would question some things, and then I, and then I also got you know I got really good suggestions from other members of the group mm-hmm. because I would turn in like three chapters at a time, mm-hmm. and then it would get critiqued. Yeah, and they really they really really helped me write this book, yeah. and they also gave me some you know some suggestions, and so it would lead me to you know, just to, to do research on certain things. Like I, I you know, I, I, as far as NIAID went, I mm-hmm. never even heard of it. Yeah. And, um, and I'd never heard of you, you I, you know, but these are things that now you hear on the news. Right. All the um, time. So yeah. it, it was that kind of a thing. I mean, anytime that you're writing any kind of book, I mean, you know, you brought up crazy. Like when I was brought, when I wrote crazy and I got about three quarters of the way through it and I thought, you know, I'm writing about a serial killer. Um, 
I should see how my serial killer stacks up to a real one. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I went and I bought a, a, a book. Um, it was about the Zodiac killer. And it kind of freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, because, <I'm> sure. <laughs> because my killer was very much like the Zodiac wow. killer. But my, you know, I had done no research whatsoever. Yeah. So on, there's on, like a serial killer that lives inside of you then. <laughs> yes, it is. There is. There must be because yeah. I nailed it. Yeah. And so, you know, but yeah, for for really just about anything, you know, I mean, sometimes I, I, I research places. Um, well, did you, did you do it? Wait, you did know, you? I have a, you know, I, I have a, a, a nuclear accident in the melt. Mm-hmm. Um, and Well, not an accident, it's a meltdown. Um, and um, I, I had to do a little research on, on, on the uh, location of um, Calvert Cliffs which is a nuclear uh, reactor here in Maryland. Uh, and, and nearby, you know, I wanted to look at it on a map and see what was close and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, well, let me ask I you, make... let me ask you, did you do research on um, whatever virus was in your story? Did you research viruses and, and how they affected people? Or did you just come up with the symptoms yourself? Well, I came up with the symptoms myself. Okay, and then when I actually when I talked to my reading group, um, one of the people mentioned uh, because it you know because at first I I likened it a little bit to Ebola, but mm-hmm. it was different. And so the uh, one of the people in my group mentioned that oh it it's a little bit like the Spanish flu too, which was the 1918 mm-hmm. um, pandemic. So I I looked that up, and sure enough, okay, the symptoms. So when you know, so when I was um, having the conversation uh, in the beginning of the book between uh, the guy from the CDC and uh, I think it's the guy from USAMRID when they were talking, uh, once they'd been alerted to this, he you know he described that's how he describes it. It was kind of a cross between Ebola and uh, the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. So you know, in that way, yeah, I looked up. I looked up symptoms, but I did not look up symptoms first. Mm-hmm. I just made up symptoms. Mm, interesting. How, how would, let me ask you this. How would you characterize the theme of the melt? I would say the theme of the melt is really uh, an examination of human nature. Yeah, I would, I would, I would go with that. Yeah, I think... I, I think that, yeah, I think that pretty Yeah, well. because like I said, you, you know, uh, the people that are surviving this, I mean, just like anybody, they're just human beings and they're all yeah. coming from different places. And so um, biases didn't die with the virus. Prejudices didn't die with the virus. So, um, you know, if that were to happen to us and there was some big, huge pandemic that killed 95% of the population, the rest of the population would hold the ideals that they held before. So yeah. basically you just have this group of people and you've got this diverse group of people um, and you do draw from the headlines, which I think yeah. is very relatable. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting because I mean, I, I do not want to watch the movie Contagion, which I have seen before and it's very good, but I don't yeah. want to watch Contagion right now because I think I would just stress the fuck right out and I wouldn't be able to handle it. But the difference, I think, with the melt is because contagion specifically focused on the spreading of the virus and then everyone dying. Same thing, I, you know, what was that one 
with Dustin Hoffman back in the, I guess oh, right, it was the right, 90s. Right. I can't um, remember the I name of it. Think, yeah, but I know which one you're talking about. I can't think of the name right, of it. Right, but it's the same idea where, where everybody was just focused at, at like while the virus was spreading. Your focus is after, for the most part, you, like you said, you, you focus on, on the fact that it spread and people die. But then the bulk of the book is focused on human interactions and how I they... I wouldn't say the bulk of the book. Well, yeah, the bulk of the book is human interactions, okay? Yeah. From start to finish, well, yes. from the beginning to the end. Whether it's in part one in a book or the part two, because it's pretty evenly split. Part two is a little bit longer well, that's true, than part yeah. one, but yeah, throughout the whole thing, it's human interactions. Yes, and it's and also if, how humans have to get past differences in order to create new civilization, new civilizations, and all that. So it's like it's very um, relatable because we could all imagine. If something were to happen right now that would take out a huge part of the population and we had to start over, we'd still be dealing with racists and bigots and misogynists and nice people and good people and all of them. You know, we'd all yeah. have to figure it out and then we'd have to police ourselves. So um, it's just, you know, it, it's very, very, you know, and I, and I want to reiterate that, like, to people who are interested in possibly reading this. Um, it's again. It's not like reading Contagion. It's not no. that kind of a story, it, even and though it's not a Mad Max kind of a thing. No. Uh. Uh-uh. No, it's you know, more of I mean, a realistic. Don't have people riding around with, you know, with, with, with in these huge, yeah. you know, vehicles, you know, right. like you see in war and everything. Yeah. It's, it's not no, a it's Mel just Gibson human. movie. Yeah, it's very, it's a very human story. Yeah. So I know that you marked the Melda's book one, and um, how many books do you think are going to be in the series? Well, I'm kind of, I'm shooting for three. Um, you never know. You know, I'm shooting yeah. for three, minimum three, yeah. uh, but we'll see. Huh. I just, I don't know. But I just, you know, I got the idea, when I started The Melt, I decided, you know, I got the idea to do a series, because I've, I've never done a series of books, and, mm-hmm. and so to me it's kind of daunting and scary. <laughs> and you know me, I just love daunting and scary. <laughs> so I thought, what the hell, I'll do it and tell everybody I'm doing it. So when I tell everybody I'm going to yeah. do something, then I have to do it right, or look like a fool. <laughs> and I don't want to look like a fool. So unless I drop dead, okay, <laughs> I won't do it. And I, I, I only laugh because I'm trying to just, you know, you say that and I'm like, no, don't drop dead. <laughs> um, um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I, first of all, I just want to let everyone know that your book is currently on Amazon. And yes, right and it's in, well, it's, it's always uh, going to be right on Right now Amazon. it's just in Kindle form. In Kindle. But the uh, paperback uh, should be available, I, I would say, within, oh, probably a, another two, three weeks. Yeah. I, you know, I've got my proof copy on the way. I always have to take a look right. at the physical thing, and then I'm going to have to read it for the last freaking time. Oh, my God. That's the one thing yeah, when, 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 you know, when you write a book, and especially if you are an independent author mm-hmm. like me, um, you have to do everything yourself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, you know, and so I always make sure um, when I get my proof copy that I read everything. And I'm mm-hmm. talking everything from, you know, the copyright information to other books to exactly, make sure there are no yeah. misspellings, to make sure. So, you know, it'll be the last time. And it'll probably be, 
oh, I don't know, the seventh or eighth time I've read this book, i yeah, got to no, tell it's you. Hard. It's hard. It's really, really hard. I mean, obviously, all our books are independent, which, by the way, brings me to it would be super awesome if you could support our books because even if The Melt is something that you're like, eh, it's not for me. Well, I, I want to get back to that because of Lorraine's review. But, um, yeah. but you know, there are other books that you've written, and they're all on Amazon. And you just go to Ann Werner, and it's A-N-N-W-E-R-N-E-R. And there's Crazy, The People Next Door, um, Dreams and Nightmares, Dreams and, Nightmares. and Cooper's Grove, plus yeah. the books that we've written together. So there are a variety of books that you can choose from. And so as independent authors, I urge and encourage everybody to check us out because, you know, women authors have a hard enough time as it is just to get noticed. I know J.K. Rowling, um, you know, used that name because it, yeah. was, it wasn't obviously a female name. And yeah. um, for some reason, there's a bias against female authors. So I would just, like I said, encourage uh, everybody to find something that seems like it might be up your alley. And then please, please, please review. And that goes for every single author. I say that every time I have an author on, whether you're a published author through a publisher or you're a self-published author, we rely on reviews so reviews. when you read a yeah, book it's, review you, it. you mentioned uh lorraine devon wilkes and and she, you know she she's got a a, a small it's, press it's lorraine yeah it's lorraine devon wilkie that's how you say it. yeah right? that's right i'm sorry and she you know she has a you know she she's got a small press publisher mm -hmm. but you know she she just go you know she drums up reviews too it's hard to get it's reviews hard. it's hard it's really because a difficult people, thing. People... And reviews, you know, I mean, re when, you, when you go and you see that somebody's got 100 reviews, you, you tend to stop at that book and think, oh, yeah. 100 people reviewed it. Right. Okay? Well, and it's, a, it's a lot more difficult, okay, for people, like right now I've got three, on the four. Mill, I have three well, you have four ratings and, and three reviews. And I've yeah. got, so I just noticed today somebody gave me, you know, just a gave rating. me a star rating yeah. with no review, but it, it's... And they're all good, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, my worst rating was the star rating, and it was four. Uh, with no review, and that, that was four stars. The other ones are five. Mm -hmm. So I'm really proud of that. But it's, yeah, you know, I mean, it, you really do need uh, to have people say, hey, you know, even if it's just one line, hey, I really like this book. Right. And Lorraine specifically, I mean, I, I can't remember what she wrote on Amazon, but prior to Amazon, she wrote privately to, because she read it before you, you know, you released it. She yes. wanted her to find holes or, or typos or whatever, and she was like, this is not my normal genre. I don't usually like these kinds of books or, or go for them, but this was fantastic. She absolutely loved it. And, I know. Um, it made me feel so good. Yeah. So, I mean, so I just like, I'm just putting it out there. No matter, even if you have a legitimate publisher, every author needs reviews. So many times you read a book and you're like, oh, my God, that was great, but you don't go to Amazon and review it. So please review it. Authors need it. Same thing. Like, Amen. I Amen. I beg, Amen. I beg you every Every, you know, both times a week, I beg for um, reviews on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, because yeah. it, it just, you know, that's what all the people are going on. They're like, do I really want to listen to another podcast? And so I tried to differentiate mine, but um, nobody, you know, the, the way people are inclined to listen is because they read a good review. I remember, you know, just this is just kind of an aside, but that movie American Psycho was being talked about and getting good reviews from everywhere. And I remember, I didn't, oddly, I always, I kind of, lo I love psychological thrillers. I love them. But for some reason, I just didn't want to see this movie. And I, I think it might have been Siskel and Ebert. I don't know who, or just Ebert at that time, I don't know. But yeah. I heard, like, and, and I thought, all right, I'm going to watch this movie. And I got to say, I mean, I was blown away. I, th I, th I thought that was one of the best movies 
about a serial killer I had ever seen. It's so, it's funny though. It's so gruesome. Although there, you don't really ever see violence. I think the worst and most violent scene of that movie, which spoiler, it came out in like what the two thousands or the nineties. So if you haven't seen I think it, it was in the 90s. too bad. But oh my god, he's like having sex with this woman, and he he goes down on her, and he just like. It's awful. Like he's like, okay. I don't want to know. But, but that's the, a movie I could not. But watch. I know. But then the the most amazing though is like she she escapes, and so she's running I think naked, and he's chasing her naked in a pair of tennis shoes, and he's got a chainsaw, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and he's got blood all over his face, and he's chasing her through the halls of his apartment, and like naked in a chainsaw. But again, you don't see violence. But what is suggested is so. Oh my god. But it, but I, the whole point is that you know I really enjoyed that movie and I thought it was really good. Um, but I in my mind I thought I wouldn't like that. And then so many people were reviewing it and saying yeah. it was fucking amazing. And I was like, all right, well let me give it a shot. And I turn it's turned out to be one of the movies that I I don't know that I could ever watch it again though. I think I've seen it five or six times, and that's enough because it's like you start to anticipate the awful and it's just oh, like. Well, yeah. You know, but but the it, it's such a brilliant performance, and and what I really loved about that movie, it's like, you know, Silence of the Lambs is dark and it's a gritty film, and it looks like it should. But American Psycho, the backdrop is this happy, exciting '80s soundtrack, and all the colors are bright, and you know, and it's like it's it's kind of the opposite of what you would expect. And I thought that was completely brilliant. I just I just loved it. But anyway, that's enough for me. Begging for reviews, and of course, I mean that for not only my podcast but for my books as well. So yeah. um, let's get to the to some politics here because I'm thinking, and I just you know, you and I talk every day, but I you know I had this feeling yesterday. It just it's uh, we're we're under this crazy. It, it, I don't even know what to call it. It's so fucking scary. But Trump is doing nothing about the economy. I mean, I'm sorry, the uh, the virus. And he wants the economy to go be going because he thinks that's going to save him. And well, he thinks that in October the virus is going to be over. <laughs> well, that's what he says. And yeah. but, he but thinks he, it's going to be over and the economy is going to come bounding back. Boy, is he going to be shocked and dismayed yeah. when flu season joins up with the coronavirus. Yes, and so what I'm thinking is, you know, Outside of insane, I mean, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but like from this moment forward, I'm just going to be calling it the Biden administration. I'm not saying get happy. I'm not saying uh, that we should get complicit. But I do believe that if we just collectively focus on the idea that Biden will be the president and then we act to make it happen, it will happen. So providing we have a, a Biden administration, I think what he needs to do is lock down the country for two or three months. We need to um, make sure that everybody who is renting has rent relief. We need to make sure that everyone who owns a house and has a mortgage has mortgage mortgage relief. We need a stimulus every month. And I think that we, you know, it, it would suck. We could have other countries have gotten to the point now where they don't even have to wear masks or social distance. We're getting to a point where it's going to be more and more deaths every day. And I just I feel like Biden has to do this when he gets into office. And I'm just like, I I wanted to ask you, I mean, that and what do you think are the most important issues that the Biden administration must address initially? Like, there are so many things that I don't think they can get to everything. But like, what are the most important things they need to focus on? Because we're going to hit 2024. The most important thing is just what you just said. 
The most important thing is we have to beat the, back this virus. That is, because this is a public health emergency. This, I mean, everybody's heard this so many times, but it really is. And it overshadows everything. Mm-hmm. Okay? It, 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 it is destroying our economy. Yeah. And we have to – I think the, the first thing that the Biden administration has to get done going in is to reverse those tax cuts. Yeah. The, those <laughs> yeah. ta- tax cuts right. that gave trillions of dollars away to people who don't need them. Mm-hmm. Take that money and do everything that you just said. Lock down this country. Make sure people are not evicted and not foreclosed on make sure that they will have food on their table mm-hmm. and you know and 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 stop this ridiculousness and they need to Put be fined in charge for like, not like wearing Becky masks. DeVos saying yeah. you know well you, children have to go to school yes i agree children really do need to go to school okay because they need it for more than just learning they right. need it to learn how to interact with other kids how to play nice okay you need that but, okay, I, I saw a thing, and this was on the local news. This was not on MSNBC or anything like that. And um, uh, it was on just a little local station that um, is actually situated in a very conservative area. But the nice thing is, is they just tell the truth. Mm-hmm. They, they'll present both sides of the story and let you decide. Mm-hmm. So Fox News says they're fair and balanced. They're not, okay? But this little station is. And the, one of the things that they reported, and because they were talking about the whole school situation, that, okay, yes, children don't seem to be quite as susceptible to this disease. And if they do get sick, for the most part, they, you know, they recover. Mm-hmm. And, but you've got teachers, and 40% of teachers have an underlying health condition, diabetes, high blood pressure, things like that. Mm. That's the danger. And okay, parents. Because and parents. you've got these children, and then, you know, and if you've got an infected child, it can, it can spread to the teachers, mm-hmm. and then they can also spread it to these other kids who can then take it home mm-hmm. and infect their parents and their, their grandparents. grandparents. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's insane. There was a so story. As there much was a story. I would love to see children go back to school. I don't think that it is the smart thing to do because it's just too dangerous. And 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 the thing is, is the way that they're setting it up now. Um, you know, okay, they, they say they're going to you know not send funding to schools. Well, ninety percent of the school funding doesn't you know it doesn't come from the federal government. It comes from state and local governments. But, you know, to to do this and then to withdraw help from people who need it so badly Mm -hmm. is is insane. It's like at the end of this month that, uh, you know, the the, uh, enhanced unemployment benefits and the and 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 the rental and and mortgage uh, stipulations are going to be gone and and. Mitch McConnell has shown no interest whatsoever in doing anything about it. I think that will change because mm-hmm. I think that they're going to really – because this is affecting uh, Republicans mm-hmm. just as much as it's, re- it's affecting Democrats. And I think yeah. that you're going to see you know, a, a lot of people saying, hey, 
you know, th this is crazy. We, we can't live this way. We can't survive this way. Yeah, and going, going back to the kids being sick, there was a story that just came out, I think, yesterday where a little boy got COVID and both his parents died from it. Died, exactly. So, I mean, you can't send and kids back to school right now. You no, just you can't. can't. You just can't. As much as we would love to return to normal, and God knows I need a haircut. <laughs> I would love to go out to a restaurant. I, know. I just, you know, I would love to do so many things. I, I, I was telling you, before I had planned uh, to 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 go uh, to the ocean this summer, but I I don't I'm not going to do it because mm -hmm. really truly I don't know who would be cleaning my room. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I don't. I, it's I'm just sorry, not I just worth don't it. Trust people. Yeah, it's I just, just not don't trust worth people it. Because I look at people and I see the idiotic things that they do, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, you know. I have I have things that I still want to do. I want to I want to live. I don't want to catch this stupid virus and die alone on a ventilator. I, I just don't want to. And I don't want to get it and 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 recover and maybe have yeah. issues for the rest of my life. I know. Or 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 get it and not know that I have it and then spread it to somebody else mm -hmm. like you. I you know, I mean I just do not understand why people are so cavalier about this and 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 saying out loud they're not going to listen to the experts my god yes because that was from a friend a former friend of mine who specifically <sighs> said um you know well i don't always listen to the experts it's like and, and there and she was fucking um posting articles from life site news which is just a evangelical bullshit rag and you know it just the, the headline told her what she wanted to hear and guess where she lives florida and, you know, and, an she, idiot. and she said to me idiot. when we were arguing, you know, and I'll say we were arguing. I mean, we were arguing over a uh, direct message. But she said, do you really think that if you catch it, you're going to die? And I said, that is the most insulting question. I said, it, it's not even about that. What if your mother gets it and she dies? Yes, yeah. your mother could die from this. And it's like she just like, well, I don't. She told me I was closed minded. And it was like, goodbye, fucking. I don't want to ever talk to you again. Fucking idiot. And you know what? She gave me she gave me reason uh, in the past to say, you know what, uh, you're too stupid to be my friend, which I kind of are, I did. I, and it was mean of me because I judged her, but you know, she married this fucking a asshole who, who took $4,000 from her and gambled it away. And then she said yes to him. And it was just because she wanted to get married. And so I won't get into too many details of her life, but it was like, I told her at that point, I said, I have no respect for you and I can't be your friend. And then I felt really bad because I thought, you know what? She, she made a stupid choice. I've made stupid choices. It's not right for me to, to judge her on that. That's her life. No, no. But then and, you find out, yeah. okay, wait a minute. The reason she made a stupid choice is she's because so she's stupid. really stupid. Yeah. And the thing is, is this is different because her dumbass choices are going to affect me. I know. And, and, and her choices are going to affect me now because people who are in Florida are affecting me. People who are in Arkansas are going to affect me and you. So this is something that affects all of us as opposed to making a dumb choice for your own life. So you know, I just I can't. But you know what? I think the other thing I think Biden has to uh, Biden administration has to obviously COVID is number one. But I think the number two most important thing that they have to focus on is election security, because uh, yeah. as we have learned, it is too easy to hack into our elections, whether it's, you know, and, and, and they also have to include with election security. I think that it's not going to be popular with um 
fascist Zuckerberg, but you know the uh, internet needs to be regulated in the same yes, way. Does, okay. Cable it, news. It, it's too much like the wild, wild west yeah. right now. Anything goes, and and Mark Zuckerberg. Oh my God! What was it the other day? You told me. Okay, I put the I put that picture up on my on my Facebook feed of. Um, uh, Justin Trudeau. Oh right. And yeah. somebody, you know, I, I found it on Instagram, and it was like, and, and the caption was that you know this was his COVID hair because it was long. All right. Well, it it wasn't his COVID hair. This was a picture that was taken several years ago when he had longer hair. Well, Facebook flagged it for being you know false information. Right, yeah. Because and it was an like, older oh, okay, picture. Okay, you're going to flag a picture of uh, just a little meme of Justice Trudeau looking hunky, okay? Um, but you're going to allow lies, out and out lies. Yeah. This was just, you know, okay, it was a mischaracterization right. of the time of the photo. Right. That's what it was, okay? But, and, and the whole thing was, uh, it, it, the whole point of the thing was hubba hubba, mm -hmm. all right? But, uh, you know, but they, they can just have flat out lies right. from Trump and conservatives, and they don't, you know, that's fine. You can right. do that. He's a worm. Mark Zuckerberg. He's a worm. <laughs> he, he stole the whole Facebook thing. I just don't get me started. I know. I know. Well, I hate it. <laughs> you know, it's like we're both on Facebook, but I feel like, you know, we get shit for being on Facebook. Um, but the thing is, is like, I mean, my Facebook was stolen from me by Facebook back yes. in 2018. And, you know, I had built it up. I had a lot. I, I was verified. I had 5,000 friends. I had 16,000 followers. And it was a very, very engaged page. And, you know, not it wasn't just my page, but because I had you and I both were writing for Liberals Unite. And, you know, we worked with Sam Wardy. And he had not only did he have his own public pages like, you know, uh, political pages with yeah. hundreds of thousands of, pe of different you know people on them, likes or whatever. Um, you know, he he had coalitions built with other liberal bloggers where we all shared everybody's work. And so yeah. Facebook said that was something like inauthentic something behavior. And all we were doing is what actually I, th I don't know if it's Newsmax, but it's right now the whoever um, whoever it is that Ben, who is that? What was that stupid guy's name? Now I can't. Uh, I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. Um, but it's uh, it's either Newsmax or it's, it's maybe it's not Newsmax, but it's one of these right wingers, right winger yeah. sites. They're doing it right now, which is exactly yeah. what we are doing, which is where you have all these different pages. And so you know, we used to uh, we used to work with Reverb Press. So Reverb Press had a blog, Liberals Unite. There was a number of them, and so basically. Sam and Reverb Press would have a deal and say, if you post four of mine, I post four of yours. So you'd yeah. go on Reverb Press's page, which was, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Massive, yeah. Yeah, and, and you'd see X amount of Liberals Unite articles and then vice versa. So we got in trouble for doing that, which I don't even know why. And then, and then part of the reason I lost my pages were because I had uh, – there was – there was two feminist pages that I, or three feminist pages that I posted on. So basically what I would do is I would go around and collect articles, whether they were articles I wrote or you wrote at Liberals Unite or Huffington Post or Washington Post. And so I would just basically post the same material on each page. I would just maybe not do it exactly in the same order. And then some pages, there was a feminist page that I, I, um, you, you know, would fill up with stuff and, 
didn't always post exactly the same thing that I would post on another. You know, there was there was a little yeah. bit of a difference, but still, overall, I would. And so this was considered inauthentic behavior by, you know, some, I don't know, somebody at Facebook. It was inauthentic because. Because because Facebook wasn't making money off of it. Yeah, and and, and well, I Although think Facebook I, did. Have, you know, they I, did though make money. They yes, it was. They did. They did. They did make money. Their visibility. Yes, so that they could get more. So and they they put in hundreds of thousand dollars, according to James Reader, who was the one who yeah. started it. So I think the main reason they did that though is because they got uh, Zuckerberg got called in front of Congress. Oh, yeah. And he so accepted. He to act like he was. He but was, he, okay, he, we're going to regulate ourselves. Well, it's because they accepted rubles, and yeah. so they were questioned on it. And then he was like, you know, oh look, we can regulate. We're going because I know that it was eight hundred pages were purged, and uh, they were both, you know, repu- they were both conservative and liberal. So they're like, look, we're fair. We're fair and balanced. And mm-hmm. so you yeah, know, right. anyway. They're fair and balanced. That's what. <laughs> Who is it? They've got. <laughs> Who is it? There's a fact checker. It's a, uh, it's a it's Daily Call. Yeah, company. it's Tucker and Daily Caller. I think is one of them. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's just. Um, yeah, that's their fact checker. I oh, don't even excuse me. The purveyor of lies. Yeah, I don't. I don't even remember how we got off in this 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 thing. But I don't know. Well, um, you know, <laughs> it's called a tangent. <laughs> but it's it's just frustrating. Oh, um, I I know. It's somehow it was going back to election security, and I. I just yes. want to bring it back to that because I think that, you know, those are, you know, obviously there's all these norms and traditions that were upheld even by Bush. And, you know, and I'm not, please do not say that I am praising Bush no, because, because I am not. because we all know that George W. Bush was a war criminal. Yes, all but right? it's like, but, but he next behaved. To, next right. to Donald Trump, yeah. he looks like the freaking Easter bunny. Yeah, and so, I mean, we, he... He did uphold the traditions and norms. I mean, basically, in some of those cases, it meant going and doing it in the dark. And, you know, so we didn't know about it, which actually I'm glad Trump is stupid and has... Um, yeah, and Melonic yeah, that, that exposed. is a saving grace. Yeah, he so is really stupid. So he just puts it all out there for everybody to see what what a total un- com- corrupt ass he is. Yeah. That he's just... There aren't words enough to describe how horrible that man is. No, so we definitely but, you know, have when to. You talk about the, you know, you talk about yes, I, I think election security and everything. But on a on a positive note, mm-hmm. I saw Elizabeth Warren, you know, talking about Joe Biden's plan to get this country going again, and it really, 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 really made me feel good because first of all, he just lifted it right from Elizabeth. Yes, I know. <laughs> And he and you know so it's this thing. If you want a government contract, mm-hmm. you got to be green. Yeah. Um, you also have to allow your employees to um, vote for whether or not they want to unionize. Yeah. First, uh, you know, the, the, the you know at the top at the front of the line are going to be union shops. I mean, it's it it really is it's it, it really is something that. Um, it's very, very, very progressive. And I know that there's a lot of people, oh, well, you know, Joe Biden, you know, he, he doesn't want Medicare for all and they poo, poo, poo and all this crap. Well, yeah, that's true. But, you know, a lot of people just don't understand Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. They don't understand it. But he is um, he's, he's big on doing what Obama wanted to do before Democrats, you know, became chicken shits, because that's why mm-hmm. um, 
we never got the public option. It was because of Democrats, because there was not one Republican vote that went for mm -hmm. the ACA. Right. All right. But Democrats were holding out because they didn't want the public option. And that's because they were being lobbied mm -hmm. by, you know, the, the insurance companies. But because the insurance companies know when people sign on for the public option and they see how much less expensive it is and they see, you know, that that they get more for their money, yeah. then they're going to go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. And so they know that that is the death knell for insurance companies yeah. as they exist today. I mean, you're always going to have insurance companies right. for, for some things, okay? But health insurance, no. I, don't, I think health sh should just be – it is. It's, a, it's, it's your right Yes. To, 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 to a doctor and to health care. That's, that, that's a right. Yeah. And, and we're, we're always hearing that we're the richest country mm -hmm. in the world, and yet we can't afford to do that. We can afford to give trillions of dollars to the uber-rich, mm -hmm. but we can't promise and Kanye, yeah. to all of our citizens. That's just bullshit. We can give money to Fucking Kanye. Bullshit. Yeah, Kanye and the Ayn Rand Institute got money. From yeah, COVID I mean, it's What's his name? That idiot that's running for president. Kanye. Kanye. He that's got what, money. That's what I so, just said. <laughs> so did, so, so did um, uh, this Kushner's company. Yes. Yes. I and, mean, and the Ayn Rand Institute, who Ayn Rand spent her whole life uh, talking about how, you know, getting money from the government was terrible yeah, and, and awful. And she died on the dole, as my yes. mother would put it. Yeah, and she, she started collecting um, Social Security. Yeah. So I these know. people so, are such frauds. You know, fuck them and the horse they rode in on. They, they, like to, they, they like to take advantage of all these programs, and then they shit all over them when they're talking about them. And it's like, but if you tried to pry it away from them, they would pull out their automatic weapons and spray of you. Of I course. mean, I, I just... I am tired of being nice to people like that. <laughs> yeah. I can't be nice to people like that anymore because because they they screw everything up for the rest of us. Look I what know. they've done. I know. Look I know. what they've done. I know. Well, one thing I can say, which, you know, for what it's worth, because I, I posted something this morning. And I woke up in kind of a shitty mood uh, just because I had posted another. I posted a video, and I don't want to get too much into this, but it was these horrible men. Um, on camera screaming horrible things and saying this, like the C-U-N-T word and just being racist and awful. And I said, this is what toxic masculinity looks like. And, and so I woke up to all these people explaining to me that this wasn't masculinity. And it's like, oh my God, I know it's toxic masculinity and it's a thing. And basically toxic masculinity is when patriarchy decides men have to be a certain way that they're not allowed to express emotion and that they have to be tough and violent. And, and, and so it's like it's it's something that happens to men from our society and it turns them into these whether it's a, a you know a man who beats his wife or a man who beats up on gay people because it's all this rage you're told you're supposed to you're supposed to be this macho guy who's willing to fight all the time and you have to like sports and you have to like beer and if you don't then you're you're weak and so you know there are men out there who are not that way and, yeah, and, and when they're told they have to be that way, then they fake it. And there's real anger there because that's not who they are. And so yeah. toxic masculinity is not a definition of – it's not the same definition. Uh, yeah, it's not a definition of being a man. No. It's a description of men behaving badly. Yes. And so anyway, I, you know, I saw all these splainers telling me that this, that's not masculine. And it's like, oh, my God, I got immediately irritated. And so I was just thinking in terms of, you know – 
every day I'm reminded that as we move closer to the election, things are going to get uh, – Trump is going to get worse and worse, and we're going to see more oh, egregious yeah, he behavior. Is, he is in meltdown mode. Yeah, and we're because also – he knows in that tiny little flea brain of his, he realizes that he's in big trouble. Mm-hmm. And his biggest fear, his biggest fear <laughs> – is losing because he knows what's waiting for him. I know. He knows what's waiting for him when he steps out of the White House yeah. and he is no longer protected. So he's going to do yeah, he's going to do everything he can to prevent that from happening and and he's sadly got well, he's got bar. They're going to do some damage. So we're just oh, they've we're already in done for so it. much damage and Why they're no? going to do more. They they will, you know, you you had come you well you didn't come up with the term, but you found the term horse in a hospital. Oh, that was perfect, John Mulaney. Perfect, yeah, that was John Mulaney. Analogy. Yeah, John Mulaney uh, did that whole bit, which you if you okay, haven't yeah. seen it, it's so worth it because it's funny and true at the same time. But it it's is, like and- we're yeah, uh, we're in for some shit, and so I think um, that you know the idea that both of Trump's appointees, SCOTUS appointees, kind of turned on him, and then I did I did an article uh, talking about that the other day. But what I also found out was Frank Luntz, who is a GOP like he he creates narratives for the GOP. Both Frank Luntz and Mitch McConnell. And I don't know if Luntz started it or McConnell started it or they came up with it on their own. But either way, both of them are telling Democrats, okay, it's not that you have to break from Trump, but you got you kind of got a distance, like at the freaking oh, tenth hour. Republicans, yeah, t- not I'm sorry, Democrats, sorry, yeah. sorry, no, telling yeah. Republicans. So, but it's like at the tenth hour, right? We're not at the eleventh hour quite yet, but we are at the yeah. tenth hour, and and they're basically saying, okay, well, let's just put a little distance between. It's like it's not going to fucking work now because well, we're you know, all outraged. I, I really love that Lincoln Project ad that they did, mm-hmm. where they listed all of these Republicans: yeah. Mitch McConnell, Martha, yeah, Lindsey Graham, uh, was, uh, Martha McSally, Lindsey Graham. And um, what's her Susan Collins, yeah, Susan, Susan Collins. Collins, and Lindsey Graham, yeah. and all these, all these people who their their seats are up. Yeah, yeah, Joni Ernst, right. all of them. Okay, remember in November and get rid of them yeah. because they they are they have enabled this president. Yeah. They they had their shot, and and boy, you know, Adam Schiff was so right. When it when when it was all over and they had acquitted him, and when he stood up and he said, you know, what do you what, what do you think he's going to do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's doing exactly that because he's figuring I can do anything. Exactly. Well, you know what? I just want to say though, because there are some that argue just like we shouldn't have. Um, impeached him because now he feels he can get away with anything. If we never set out to impeach him in the first place, he would have felt a victory there. And he would have had exactly the same reaction. I can get away with anything. I can muscle these people into not impeaching me. So he he was unable to do that with Democrats because Democrats did impeach him. But, um, you know, Republicans didn't throw him out. That's basically it. So, you know, it's like there is no argument to be made that we shouldn't have impeached because I don't think it hurt anything. It was the constitutional duty of of Congress to impeach him. Yes. That was that, that was the constitutional duty of the House. Yeah. And he and they did their duty. He was because gonna they claim swore yeah. an oath to uphold the Constitution. And he would have claimed victory either way. So, you know, if he yeah. was if, if we would have been too chicken to impeach him, then that's what that's what would have been and the what narrative. kind of a message would it have sent to future presidents. Exactly. 
Exactly. So, so I, you, you know, know, I mean, yes, I mean, we didn't we didn't whatever. get to kick him out, but he is impeached and will be impeached for life. Forever. He just he just wasn't kicked out of office. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I guess. OK, so usually what I do when I wrap up is I say goodbye to my guest and then I say, tell us where to find you. So I will do that, but um, I'm not going to then drop off and then do uh, an outro on my own. I will end this with the two of us. So. Why don't you tell everybody, okay, so obviously your book, the new book, The Melt, is on Amazon, and uh, your page is Ann, A-N-N, Werner, yes. W-E-R-N-E-R, but where else can they find you? Uh, well, <laughs> right now, okay, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter. As, um, as, as Ms. Werner. It's AnnWerner.info. However, right now it's under construction because I'm changing it. So that is that's uh, what I'll be doing this week. I'm I'm rebuilding my website. Uh, so you know, right now, I guess the best way, the, the best places to find me are Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. And your and Twitter my, handle is Ms. M S W E R N E R. Ms. Werner. So, M S W E R N E R. And um, you know, Th- that's what and I'll then, include. Uh, yeah, and that. then my Amazon author page, because if you go to the Amazon author page, if you and I, and the thing is, is all you have to do is just you know click on any book, right. and it and then it'll say, oh, visit Ann Werner's author page, and you go and it's got all the all the books. So it'll have it, it'll have all the books that I've written, and I and also it'll have the books that you and I worked on together, The Virgin Diaries and Ain't No Sunshine, mm-hmm. Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak, <laughs> uh, and then it's got my a uh, couple of short stories that I've written. Uh, so, you know, in that way, if you're interested in reading anything else that I've written, you can find it all there. So I am going to put you not. All, OK, so here's what's going to be in the Patreon description. You're going to have first it's going to be your um, Twitter handle. Then I'm going to put in the um, author page. And then below that, I'll put the book to the melt. So, again, please, please, please uh, give it a, you know, give it a shot. Tell your friends. Uh, I even say that about this podcast because I'm trying to grow it. So it's like if you like this podcast, say to one of your friends, hey, <laughs> there's this yeah. podcast, or hey, there's a book, or whatever it is. And then, of yeah. course, you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K I M B E R L E Y. That's my handle. And then I have my Amazon page with Peyton's Choice and American Woman. And yes, the books that we've written together. So I have four total. You have like a million total. So between the two of us, we have all kinds of books to read. Although I will say Peyton's Choice is a young adult book, and it's obviously about teen but it's, abortion. But it's really good. It's really good. And sometimes, you know, young adult. I'm, I'm reading a book right now um, by a uh, guy that he's a climatologist, and he wrote a kid's book. Um, and it's, um, God, the, uh, it's the world of thermo. And thermo is a thermometer made by a – and it's got jetpacks on it, and it goes all over the world, and it's measuring temperatures. So it's a, it, it's a climate change book, but it's written for kids. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you, um, it, it's really interesting for me. I'm going to give them a review once I'm done because um, I am learning a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is aimed at kids, you know, maybe nine years old and up. Hmm. Um, but I'm finding it really interesting. It's it, – it, it, it's got a lot of information in it um, about how storms form hmm. uh, and a lot of information about, you know, uh, the effects of, of, of carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And so the thing is with, you know, like with Peyton's Choice, yeah, it's a young adult book, but it's also, I mean, obviously I read Peyton's Choice. I, you know, I edited it and, and you know, and we worked on it, you know, I worked on getting it together and yeah. all that stuff. I, you know, you wrote it and I, then I produced Format. it. You for formatted you. it. Yeah. 
So, um, and Bob did a, a great cover on that too. Yes. Um, so, you know, but, but it's a, it's a good story and it's a story that, that, that even an adult can relate to. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can say that I've always enjoyed stories about young people. I mean, right now, Bob and I are just finishing up Orange is the New Black and we've decided to revisit Freaks and Geeks. So, I mean, it's like we're adults. I'm I'm going to be 52 on Friday and he just literally turned 49 yesterday. So, uh, but, uh, you know, if you like uh, stories that involve young people, I guess I should say. Um, and, yeah. and I did try to draw from, you know, one of the things that I did in Peyton's Choice, um, the, the, the guy that she fell in love with, Peyton, um, mm-hmm. was a good guy mm-hmm. but sometimes he said shitty things to her and yeah, so that happens all that the time happens. yeah i mean you know that happens in a relationship with either gender will you know yeah. say no matter either what gender, gender or, or i should you know, say that, no matter that, what the gender uh yeah. people say shitty things to each other so um and it was how you know and, and there are times as a woman i've experienced where men have said things to me and i've let it go instead of saying something and it didn't mean though the men who said those things were bad men it just meant that they were in a either in a mood or they had a certain idea about something and so I really wanted to focus on the communication and being honest and talking to each other about how you know you made you made me feel this way when you said that so that yeah. the other person can go oh maybe they didn't mean to make you feel that way but they did so, yeah. so I, tr- I really tried to be mindful about interactions with men and women. And, you know, I mean, obviously I drew on my own life, but sh- like I said, she was, she was much more together than I was as a teen. I was, mu- I was more, uh, not that I was some lost crazy teenager, but I, I certainly was not, again, a, a four point. Oh, great. Or a four point. Yeah. Oh, you were never point. a lost crazy teenager. <laughs> no, you were, no, no, you're no. Always, you, you were, you were always. You're always a good kid. I mean, you had your moments, but yeah, like when when I still have to do a podcast about the time I did shrooms. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that was an adventure. But that's for another day. That is for another day. <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming on the podcast, and I hope everybody buys your book and gives you reviews that are positive. And I would also say this: let me just add, whether this is about my book, my podcast, your book. Uh, we like positive reviews. If you didn't like the book, you don't have to review it. <laughs> so anyway. Anyway, that's all. Thank you, everybody. Be safe, and we will see you next time.